Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young business leaders, welcome to the YBT podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 112. Uh, Man, talk about uh, an exciting end to the year. Um, As we're recording this right now, we're right before the holidays. Uh, and I'm just kind of reflecting a little bit back on just uh, all the different people we've gotten to talk to, all the different opportunities uh, that this podcast has afforded me. And, and I'm really grateful right now uh, for just you, the audience, tuning in and everybody who's kind of taken the opportunity to tune in uh, and uh, also participate in, in, to, in this podcast. Um, today I have uh, another exciting guest. His name is Robert F. Benson. Uh, he's actually a, uh, a listener who's uh, who's decided that he wanted to join the podcast. He's uh, doing some exciting things on his end, and I'll let him explain those a little bit. But uh, I always enjoy trying to uh, uh, to bring on different people uh, to kind of share their viewpoints, share uh, some of their stories, some of the things that they've learned on their entrepreneurial journey, uh, and with the hopes of helping you, the listeners, and, and me, myself, uh, I actually get to benefit a lot from these podcasts, too. So uh, a little bit about Robert. He is a thought leader and trusted advisor in the area of organizational culture and leadership. In his 20 years as a consultant, Robert has delivered customized interventions focused on safety, leadership, and organizational alignment across industries, uh, both nationally and internationally. Uh, Robert regularly speaks on the topics of leadership and culture. He inspires leaders to create organizations that reflect their deepest values and achieve results that go beyond the bottom line. Robert, first of all, welcome to the podcast. If you don't mind, say hello to the audience and uh, tell them a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so so I am a native New Orleanian, so go Saints, who dat, <laughs> okay? Um, and been in Tulsa now. This is actually second go-round in Tulsa. I was in Tulsa uh, for college, did Oral Roberts and then TU, so I, I can uh, love and be hated by both. Um, <laughs> and uh, left to, to pursue uh, jobs and career for about 20 years and was in the southeast and returned in 2011 for second go round again job oriented mm-hmm. um but kind of since uh, i got my my uh, degrees in education was going to teach and found out what i really enjoyed and what i could get paid for was uh helping other people talk amongst themselves figure out what was going on and, and decide how they wanted to move forward so i've uh, been playing around in the field of organizational development since the mid 90s wow um, yeah, yeah, and so glad to be back here and doing it. And Tulsa's a lovely place. It's amazing how much it's changed in the twenty years. Uh, oh uh, yeah, so, yeah, pretty exciting. Well, Robert, welcome back to Tulsa. Uh, I, it sounds like this place definitely has uh, some growth and some draw uh, to yeah, people uh, outside of the state. And so, if you're tuning in and you're listening to this podcast, and you're in Dallas, you're in New Orleans, New Orleans and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, Tulsa's a pretty, uh, pretty happening place." I'd love to move to Tulsa. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, like an unsolicited plug, um, they're actually paying people to move to Tulsa. There's a, a thing that uh, – what is it? Um, uh, ten, ten grand or something, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, $10,000, I mean, which should cover most of your moving expenses. Um, but we're trying to attract talent uh, to Tulsa. One of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast and kind of speak to that next generation of business leaders is because I feel like at, at some point uh, when you're in college and you're kind of figuring out your next steps, I went to TU as well, and, and there was a, definitely a draw to go down to some of the bigger cities uh, outside yeah. of the state. And uh, there's a great talent pool that's here. There's a lot of entrepreneurship here in Tulsa. And so I think whenever you're in that that college demographic and you're just like, okay, man, real life is coming quick. I need to get it together and figure out what I'm going to do. Who's going to hire me based on like the degree that I have and the choices that I've made. And, and yep. if you're like me, you might be like, Hey, I don't know if this degree was the best thing that I should have done, but regardless, I got to figure this thing out here pretty quick. Um, there is some attractiveness to being pulled out of state. And so Tulsa has, and Oklahoma has had uh, a little bit of a challenge with that. In the past, I will say because of uh, organizations like the Kaiser Family Foundation, which I think they're the one that's funding this, uh, yep. Lobick Taylor, 36 Degrees North in terms of The Forge, all these different places helping entrepreneurship, uh, Kitchen 66, which is developing uh, you know, uh, entrepreneurs in the restaurant industry. We're starting to see some of that infrastructure, some of that investment into our community and, and into our workforce that I believe that that draw is going to kind of stick around. And so I'm excited about it. And uh, anyway, so going back to why I, I started this, part of this was uh, to kind of uh, speak to that next generation of business leaders, help develop them, help help them grow in what they're doing so that uh, maybe it's a little less foggy, uh, but then also make them aware of some of the things that the, some of the possibilities are, that are out there, because I think a lot of times you only know as much as you've experienced. Yes. And so a lot of times that can be a, a limitation on yourself. And we talk a lot about getting outside of your comfort zone. We talk a lot about uh, growing and doing all these different uh, uh, things to challenge yourself because when you're comfortable, that means you're, uh, you're stagnant, in my opinion. And so that, that's not necessarily a good thing. And I, I actually think that ties in a little bit into uh, you know, having you on the podcast because you've been through some of those transitions. You've been willing to move uh, from a city to another city, uh, some of it's job-related, but there's a lot of change. There's a lot of transition involved in that. So can you talk a little bit about kind of what, what that thought process was in that transition? Uh, what ultimately were some of the deciding indicators? And then when did some of that validation come into play? So, so oftentimes, and I'd love to be able to say that, that uh, all of the, the major transitions in life were very carefully thought through and, and all proceeded according to a master plan. And, and the truth is, is that uh, most of the time it felt like stumbling along <laughs> and it felt like it, it, the only right and real thing to do. You know, um, uh, some people have the wonderful fortune of knowing exactly kind of what their life path is going to be uh, when they're in school. And so they set up and they go and they get that accounting degree or that engineering degree and they go right for the company. And it's all very predictable. And mine journey has been something totally different. It's almost like you, you have a little bit of glimmer, a little bit of light ahead and you take a step forward and then you get to where you thought you were going to be. And now you've faced with completely different choices. Um, so, so I know that's not, uh, 
that's not the, okay, here, quick, follow this path. If anything, uh, I might want to encourage people. I've, I've uh, experienced more and more folks, uh, particularly folks who now seem to be uh, successful, who now seem to be, and, and by the way, I'm in my uh, middle-aged uh, uh, time. I'm in my mid-50s. Mm. Uh, but as I, I meet folks who've kind of gotten there, many of them are saying, this wasn't how I had it planned. Uh, I was kind of making it up as I went along. And so I guess if I, the one encouragement for anyone there is, hey, if you feel like you're just kind of figuring it out, don't worry. A lot of folks do it that way. Um, and if you'll keep listening. Uh, so so what would what do, is there to learn? Being agile, uh, being able to sit and look at the options in front of you at the moment, uh, having having close uh, friends, colleagues who know you deeply so that when you're at that next fork in the road, you have somebody else to call up and kind of bounce your thinking off of. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can tell you, hey, you, I, that sounds good. Have you considered this? Uh, or, or who you are close enough to where they can throw the brown flag, you know, cry, uh, cry BS and, and you really <laughs> need to look at this a little differently. And so, um, yeah, I guess uh, – how how is any of that sounding? I wish I, that doesn't sound like like uh, superlative wisdom and deep sage like advice, but that has been what transition has looked like for me. Um, well, I think that that's that, I think that what you're what you're kind of describing is partly the the path, right? So um, what you don't know is the podcast before this. We had Brett Humphrey, who was uh, he, he was he was actually he classifies as a young business leader. He's okay. he graduated college and then he um, went and worked for a Fortune ten company. So nice. like he, he took the ideal path, right? He got the education, he traveled, he uh, got the the job at the big company, and months into it. Uh, this guy came and said, Hey, would you, uh, help me with my campaign to run for governor? Wow. And, uh, and to his credit, he said, yes. Uh, I think if I had been in the same situation, I probably would have said no. Like I've been mm-hmm. working my entire life for this moment. Uh, and now I'm going to just stay here for 50 years and, uh, hope that they take care of me. Like that would have, that would have been my original mentality, but kudos to him for, for mm-hmm. kind of, uh, like you said, stumbling through it. And I think that, I think that that's reality. So I think we need to hear that because I think we, in, in some capacity, you know, we hear these stories of like, I, I knew from the day that I was born that uh, I was going to be a entrepreneur. I was going to be a president of a company. I was going to be a inventor, you name it, that, that you hear those stories, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the path that they went to. I think for the most part, a lot of people kind of struggle through it or they stumble through it. And when you're talking about being agile and you're talking about seeking counsel and, and, and going those directions, I think that that's part of the process. Um, and, and for me, like the, my biggest challenge right now, and I, I attribute this to, to having kids, um, like right now, my, my, my boys are playing basketball and uh, they expect every basket to, to be like a swish. They, they, yeah. they expect, expect to make every single way. point. <laughs> And yeah. they get really hard on themselves to the point, to the extent of saying, "Well, you know, I suck at basketball." So, uh, so Evan, a big part of this too. I mean, I was just thinking from what you were just saying, 
is being you're going to fail. Yeah. That 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 by nature of it, if you're not failing, you're in too small of a pond and you're not really even testing yourself. Right. So so but if you're trying something that's challenging, like uh, I know a lot of your listeners are are young business people. They're entrepreneurial. They're going to start something. I'm in my third. I'm in my third business that I've owned myself, and uh, the previous one it, it, I was CEO of another company here in Tulsa. Okay, and and yet while that all sounds well and good, you know, another way of saying that is, oh wow, Rob, so you've struck out three times, <laughs> and now you're on number four. Right. And, um, you know, being willing to to step back, to do the best you can, and when you fail, to learn, uh, to kind of get your – marshal up your resources again. I know after the first one, I needed about a, a four- or five-year hiatus. Just, you know, let me work for somebody else mm-hmm. uh, and get my brain together again. But pretty soon, if you have that entrepreneurial bug, you really do believe – you can do it better than, you know, than the people that you're working for. And that's no, no slight or no shame uh, uh, on them. But that's part of it is you think you can do good. And so you get up, you, you get up a little bit smarter. You try again. And as soon as you try again, you know, at some point you might fail again. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, you know, as I look back on it, that sounds horrible. I know that the first time I failed, I thought I'll never do this again. Um, the second time it was like, wow, I managed to, it was about a 10 year run. I, I guess I was, I thought it was, uh, when I quit that one, shut that one down, I was feeling down, but my son came to me. He was a young adult by this time. He said, dad, Hey, you know what? You may not have hit the the financial goals you wanted, but guess what? Mom got to stay at home Mm -hmm. and all of us got to go to school and we ate good. And we saw what it's like to run a business. Yeah. So, I mean, and now um, I, I actually, as I look back, I'm going, wow, in some ways now I'm starting to do the work that I feel like I was born to do. But it's taken three other times in 20 years to get to this place. So some of it's just, man, keep swinging, mm-hmm. uh, keep swinging, keep trying, keep learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think that, um, you know, when you when you talk about some of this stuff. Uh, and I, I tie back to this a lot because I, I, I try to put myself kind of in your shoes and, and, and uh, when we kind of hear about some of these things, like you've been, so you're, like you said, you're on your third go round, mm-hmm. but it sounds to me like through the, that experience, right. That's better qualified you better prepared you for the role that you're in today. Right. Yes. Yes, it is. So yes, it is. I, I think that sometimes in the moment in, in that small fraction of time, that you know you're you're having to restructure you're having to shut things down or whatever else that imposter syndrome kicks in where you you feel like maybe maybe I was a fraud maybe maybe this was just all a fluke or something like that and so you get a little bit of that insecurity that that kind of comes you start to you know have self doubt and yep. you start to 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 think to yourself you know well may, maybe maybe this whole thing was just a a, a happenstance or it was just luck and mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to always point back to you can't stick your identity into what you do. And I know we we talk about this a lot, but you know to, to go through three different careers per se, mm-hmm. and then and then be on on the other side of it, looking back and saying, 
because of that, I feel more qualified now, I think is, yep. is hopefully uh, reassuring to people that are dealing with that self-doubt, that they're dealing with that struggle saying, you know, am I a failure? Am, am, am I maybe, did I ascend too quickly? And now, you know, people are going to find out that I'm underqualified or not even qualified for something like this. And, and I think those are real thoughts, real emotions, because I've, so I've had real. them. So um, real. But I think it's so important to, to, to talk to like someone like you on the other side of that and say, it was okay. Like I learned a lot. It was, and I learned from that experience and I grew because of that experience. There's always a decision that you have in an instance like that when, when everything's kind of turned against you or you feel like the world's crumbling in and you can, you can use it as, as something that's holding you back or mm -hmm. you can use it as a reference point to, to drive you forward. Indeed. And I, and I think that that perspective is very important in all of this, but I, I say all that to say, Embrace those things. If, if, your, if your identity is not tied into what you do, if you can separate that, and when these things happen, these, these potential risky opportunities that come up, or maybe not so risky, but it's just an opportunity, be willing to say yes and be willing to put yourself out there and be willing to grow because uh, I think in the long run, um, all of that experience, all of those failures and successes – better prepare you for something that you can't even see yet. Does Indeed. that make sense? Indeed. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so who was the gentleman, and I'm sorry I'm blanking on his name, but uh, he spoke two times ago. Here's a plug for the young business <laughs> with me. It was, a, it was a great talk, but he talked about that very same point, was that you can't have your identity wrap, wrapped up in what you do. And I think that's important to be successful. It's like it's very counterintuitive mm -hmm. um, to say, yes, I'm fully invested in the work that I do. And yet at the end of the day, um, I know whose I am. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a person of faith, as as I believe you are also. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I take my identity from that relationship. I take my identity from my relationship as husband and father. And yeah, there's some of it that's there as business person, as as uh, organizational development consultant. But I don't let all of me ride on that because if you let all of you ride on that, you can't fail, mm -hmm. which means you can't give it your best. So so anyway, I, I thought that was. A, do you, are you remembering the name of that of the the speaker? Do you know who I'm talking about? It was the preacher, the son. Yeah, of the, yeah. So that that was Willie uh, George. That was no, it was Whit George. It was his son. Whit George. Yeah, that's Whit, right. Whit, had, Whit has taken over church on the move, uh, and yeah, it's it's definitely um, it's a theme that's interwoven. I get, and maybe it's just I'm tuned into it right now, just in my phase of life. But uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I encourage this if, if there's a speaker that asks, like, hey, what should I speak about? Um, yeah. You know, I, I say be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to be real and kind of show maybe a little bit behind the curtain. Um, and I think people will connect with that more. And, and uh, he did a fantastic job. And uh, he was talking about work is a rhythm uh, and yes. not a hum. And he was talking about identity. Yes, he was talking about yes, all sorts yeah. of different things um, that, man, we're so fantastic. And if you're listening to this going, well, hey, that sounds like something I'd want to listen to. Uh, it's, it's only a couple podcasts, probably three or four podcasts ago. Uh, so be sure to go listen to that because uh, it that was, was a fabulous uh, time. Absolutely. Uh, yes, it was. And, you know, Evan, 
when you think about that kind of on that note of being vulnerable and and the idea of transition um i i've seen it recently and it was uh, um seeing leaders who are young but then they're transitioning up they've gotten that promotion or they're moving to a different place in the organization so it's not the group that they've kind of kind of come up with and i've seen broadly speaking two different approaches one of them is is walking in it's coming in with a very clear game plan that says this is what we need to change and then starting to move around the pieces on the chessboard. Mm -hmm. The other approach is to come in and say, basically, I don't know much of anything. I'm going to watch and listen and learn. Which of those two do you think, Evan, is successful and which of those two isn't? Uh, Well, that is a very complex question. (laughs) So, so if you'll indulge me, I'll I'll say, I'll say, I'm going to say both. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I, so explain that because I, that was meant, I, I didn't set that up well then because one of them is a failure path from what I see, but <laughs> you start, you start, tell me why they're both good. Uh, so I'm going to say most of them are going to be the, I don't know. I'm going to sit back and watch. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that that's definitely, if you want to make an impact, uh, in an organization and they're bringing you in, uh, to kind of go in there and learn, uh, and kind of help make a difference. I think that that's, that's, that, that's going to be my approach. Um, okay. so that, that for me is, and I, I think I've, I'll see if I can use the right terminology, but it's almost like a manager type role, like a maintenance, mm-hmm. a mate, a maintenance type role where you, mm-hmm. you, you come in and you're going to make some small adjustments and you're going to tweak and you're going to make it run better and more efficient. I might, so, I might even be talking about uh, organizational, um, development. I might, I might be kind of tiptoeing into your line of work here. Y- yes. Yeah. So, and so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, <laughs> so I think that's where, I think that's where most things happen. I, I think that's okay. where, where the ideal situation, but I okay. think there are times in organizations that there needs to be a disruptor. I think there needs to be somebody who comes in and makes massive change uh, in an organization. And I think if you want to kind of completely change the status quo and make a massive change, maybe you you go in there with a plan and you don't say anything for a little bit. But then you go in there and you really st- – because you have – at some point you do have to have a plan and you do need to disrupt and you do need to make some massive changes. And I think – in, in some capacity, you're brought into that role with that expertise, uh, and maybe that's kind of what you're known for, right? Like if someone were to bring me into an organization, I would probably not be the disruptor. I'd probably be more of the let, let's 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 tighten up the ship, let's control, let's maintain, let's see steady growth. Uh, whereas you know somebody else may be looking to, and I'm thinking like J.C. Penney, right? Like or Sears or whoever, whoever the ones is like everything's like they were on top of their game, and then all of a sudden. Like now, now, yeah, now they're imploding and like Amazon and Walmart have completely taken over. They need some massive change. You cannot go in there with the same mentality that they had in the 1950s uh, and and make massive change needs to happen. So that's why I say both. I'm ready for you to completely tear. Okay. And, and and actually, given given the way you put that, I'd be willing to accept both of those. Yes. Podcast over. Yeah. Yeah. So so give yourself the the star. (laughs) You got the A. The the disruptor role, if 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 the issue in the organization is very clearly uh, uh, outdated ways of thinking, 
uh, and people who are just stuck in their ways. If that is the reason you are brought in, then yes, come in, be a disruptor, um, because what you what you were brought in to do is to drop a grenade down. Yeah. Um, the challenge, I think, is that most of the time it's not that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're for that situation. Basically, the place is already broke. And you have to change things around. But most places are not broke. Most places, yeah, maybe they could be a little bit better. Um, but when you come in, I think the particularly for people who are young, uh, younger, there's this felt need to impress. I need to come in. I need to show. I need to prove my worth. And so in that, we come in and we try to lead. And I've got my, you know, think lead in quotes not realizing that what you're actually leading is people and people need to feel valued. They need to feel like they need to be recognized for the smarts that they do have, even if you're going to be bringing in a different way of thinking and talking. Mm -hmm. This is not to say we can't change later, but the right way to come in first is to say, is to come in with a spirit of uh, a bit more humility Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm here to listen and learn, and I know you guys have got some good things going. So help me see what's here, and together we can move forward from this point. And when people go in with more of the idea of, I'm not going to change all these idiots, (laughs) but I'm going to go in and engage, and let's pull people together now, let's align around a different direction. We can still come and do that. I'm not, uh, this is not to suggest that the need for change isn't there. It's to suggest that the approach and kind of the, the, the place that people go to instinctively, Hey, I got to show how smart I am and how good I am. Oftentimes it ends up shooting. We shoot ourselves in the foot. Mm -hmm. Think first, how can I get those people involved on my team working with me? then they'll help you move uh, uh, the, the performance in the way that it needs to go. Yeah, I, I think that's spot on. Um, and especially when, we're, when we take the audience into consideration, absolutely lead with vulnerability. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm here to learn from you guys. I'm going to bring maybe a different mindset in some things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I encourage you to challenge that. But at the same time, let's stay away from some of the toxic thinking of we've always done it this way. Because if that was working, then I wouldn't need to be here. So obviously, Correct. obviously, we need to kind of figure something out. And I, I think you can be upfront with them in that regard. Like maybe you do, you feel like you do know a lot. Maybe mm-hmm. you are an expert in some of these things. But I mean, if if you got a number two in front of your age, uh, I think that it, it's going to not be very well received from people with threes, fours, and fives in front of their age. So I, I think that. You know, in some capacity, especially leading with that vulnerability. And like you said, man, it's people, right? So I think a lot of times, I don't know about the people you talk to. I'm assuming that they all just completely embrace change. But the ones that I I talk to are very change adverse. They're very comfortable. And I think if some of the... Uh, some of the more recent interactions I've had, there, there's some people with some sixes in front of their age. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to change anything because they are kind of coasting. They're, they're kind of hanging on. They're surfing the last little bit of that wave mm-hmm. and, and then they're going to retire. <laughs> so, yeah. they, so they don't want anything to change. And I still run into people that don't email 
Like they don't, they're like, I don't use email. I don't know how to email. And that just blows my mind. Uh, and I'm, I hope that I'm not that person. I hope that, it, you know, whatever the newest technology communication is, um, th- that I'm, I'm not so uh, technology. Like I, I embrace technology right now, but I'm, I'm not in that older age group that where, you know, technology continues to grow. And I just say, no, like I'm not touching that. Like I, there are certain even applications that, I, I just I don't use yet, and I, I'm probably naive in th- those things. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I may need to learn them because it, you know it's just that's kind of where technology is going, and that's that's going to become commonplace for the workforce. And so you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to embrace some of those things. But uh, at the same time, when we're talking about young leaders coming in and and, and helping to maybe turn things around a little bit or makes those small adjustments, man, leading with that humility and, and, and even coming in and say, Hey, I, you know, I'm going to be looking to you guys for a lot of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and I want them to feel safe because if, if there's, if you have that safety for them, mm-hmm. I think they're more likely to buy in and help you as opposed to try to figure out ways to sabotage you. Indeed. The, one of the, the core principles of change management um, is that you, you don't change anything by yourself. You, you work to develop your team and the effort that you put into getting a group of people around you who kind of see the vision that you have and are willing to help help you figure out how to do this practically, figure out what the steps actually need to be. And then you uh, approach others. You, you actually sit down and consider how are we going to communicate this? How do we reinforce this? How do we get other people involved? As you think through that, not by yourself, but with a team of supporters, mm-hmm. then it's much more likely to be successful uh, when it's actually rolled out, uh, as opposed to you being the the lone ranger yeah. on yeah. your own. You know, it, it takes me to one other thing that I would – a a recommendation, if I could give a gift to any – uh, young leader, any person that works with with folks, and they're not going to do everything on their own. Uh, it's to start to to think about what. All right. So wait a second. So I'm trying to get this clear in my head. Let me see <laughs> if I can say this right. I'm just going to say it simply. I think the fundamental leadership principle is people want to do good work. Yeah. Okay. If you start from that then the kinds of ways you're going to interact, if you truly believe that, the ways you interact with your people are going to be supportive. You're going to be removing roadblocks from them. When kinks come up, you're going to be problem solving alongside them. Mm -hmm. Um, And those kind of ways work to keep people engaged and to bring the best out in people. Now, while that seems intuitive, I'll bet most of your listeners, when I said that, are kind of like, well, duh. (laughs) Yes, but... Yeah, but then they're like, well, there's Debbie in accounting. Like, exactly. Clearly, she's not. But everybody else, for the most part, yeah. But they're, they're, I'm sure there's some exceptions popping up in their head. I would think. Sorry, so, if Debbie's so listening. Think, sorry, Debbie. Yes, yes. The, the, the people that um, we say on the one hand, oh, yeah, I believe everybody wants to do good work. But then we act with people uh, in ways that we expect them to screw up. We really don't believe everybody's going to do good work. We're we're uh, we're not uh, free com- uh, flowing with our information. 
um, when something happens where we're feeling like they screwed us or they didn't want to, right? It was they didn't have enough motivation. Um, and anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, I just think more people, it's, uh, if you look in the thing, people can Google Theory X and Theory Y. Douglas uh, uh, MacArthur, uh, back in the 60s, uh, was one of the first folks that wrote on this. And uh, it's really two ways of, of working. It's, it's starting off either believing people really want to do good work, and then you just find out how to, how to give them what they need in order to do it. Uh, or people really don't, and you've got to watch them, and you've got to measure them, and you've got to push them, and you've got to punish them. And there's really only two ways of going, and everybody has a belief. But most leaders have not actually taken the time to go, where do I fall on that spectrum? What do I believe about people? Mm -hmm. And if you believe people really do want a good work, you're going to be a better leader for it. Yeah. If you don't, you'll, you can think you're a great leader, but go ask your people. You're not going <laughs> to... It's not going to show up. So that would be a gift is, is tell yourself, write it on a sticky. People want to do good work. Uh, and then the next time, even if you're not seeing it, remind yourself people want to do good work. Even this person, even if I'm not seeing it right now, this person in front of me wants to do good work. And then the next words out of your mouth will be the kind that will be more likely to help them do the good work you want to see. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think, uh, as you're saying that, I, I feel like as a leader, right, like maybe you're the person that hired that person. So maybe mm -hmm. you need to do a better job developing that person yeah, or indeed. communicating the mission or communicating the culture. And I think those things tie into that because I think if you have people that you think don't want to do good work – you as a leader kind of need to take responsibility for bringing them into the organization. Or if you're coming in to the organization and you do believe that there are people like that, I think that's where you need to kind of start having those conversations and really get to the bottom of why they maybe don't want to do good work. And I think that's kind of the biggest part of being a leader is trying to turn that person's uh, mindset around through asking questions, uh, trying to understand where they're coming from, trying to figure out, you know, why they're in the role that they're in. And, and maybe, maybe they're just not even in the right role. And in some cases, you just, maybe you just need to fire them. But, uh, I think there's, um, one of the things that, man, I want to say it was, um, I want to say it was either Zappos or Chick-fil-A that I recently, uh, -huh. uh w was hearing from. And they were basically saying, I think it's Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A basically, uh, in some conversations that I've had with some of the upper level executives there, uh, when they f had to fire somebody, they actually took that as uh, a, a, a leadership failure, failure. Management. Absolutely. Yeah, instead of that's, failure of the individual right. person. And so that, that really kind of struck a chord with me. And um, probably later this week, we'll be recording a uh, kind of a recap because I got a chance to sit down with Dan Cathy uh, with a, a group of guys. How cool. Yeah, very cool. We got to go and, and have a tour of the Chick-fil-A corporate headquarters and see really the culture in, in its, in its fishbowl. Like where it starts and then how it kind of overflows everything else. But, yeah, yeah. That, that really struck me when, when they were talking about leadership and, and, and getting the right kinds of employees and people and, and hiring for culture and all those other things. But I never thought of it as a failure of leadership when you don't have uh, the right kind of employee and you have to let somebody go. And I feel like, you know, if you're tuning into this podcast and listening, hopefully you're in that leadership role or you're aspiring for that leadership role. 
I think that when you're, if you're in that role of hiring or you're in that role of managing, that the responsibility lies on your shoulders in terms of how successful your people are. And mm-hmm. what can you do on your end? And that kind of goes into QBQ, right? Asking the question, what can I do? The, the, what can I do in this situation to help this person be more successful? Not, not looking at the person and saying, you know, why isn't, why isn't this person doing this? Why isn't that person trying to get better at what they're, they're trying to do? Uh, why are they continuing to fail? Why doesn't somebody, you know, whatever. That your job as a, as a leader is to not just, you know, take credit for the success, but also dig in and help those people that are struggling along the way. So, so would would recommend your listeners if this strikes a chord with them, uh, they should Google uh, the six boxes. Tom Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could probably, I know on on uh, my YouTube channel. I don't know if we'll have links to that on there. I know I've talked about it a couple of times, but it it lays out for leaders in very clear, simple ways the six things that everybody needs in order to do good work. And that's what great leaders do. They don't blame the individual. They step back and say, wait a second, what is it about the system that I have created that that is producing the performance that I'm not liking? Mm-hmm. And it comes down to six elements. The first one is just simply having uh, very clear, understood expectations and a way of measuring that. The second is the the tools, the resources, including time. Uh, the third is incentives, positive and negative, that align with the performance you want to see. Uh, then we're looking at knowledge and skills. We're looking at employee fit, and we're looking at employee motivation. And there's ways of the, the bottom. The first three that I talked about are all the ones that the organization, particularly as funneled through the manager, the person actually doing the leading, is responsible for giving and making sure that people have. And research shows that those are the most powerful. And that most of the time, like like far and away most of the time, when we have a performance gap, it's not because the person is a, a screw up and they have no motivation or they're lazy, although those are the words that leaders like to use, <laughs> um, right? No, it's not that. It's that, you know what? We were never really clear on exactly what it is we want. We don't have a way of measuring the outputs that we're expecting. We're not giving people enough time. We're not the, – the reward system here isn't aligned to produce that. Mm-hmm. When people know exactly what you need, they've got exactly – they've got what they need in order to do it, and the reward system encourages it, almost all the time you're getting the performance you want to see. Yeah. And so anyway, so Google the six, six boxes. It's a great little tool. And again, it's another way. If I start off, my people want to do good work, and all I need to do is understand – where the where the gaps are, what they're not getting. You can use those six boxes as a way to go in and do a quick assessment. And then the kind of actions you take with your people are going to be the ones that are likely to help them get back up and give you what you need to see. You know, I I think this is the first time I've heard about the six boxes. <clears throat> so I'm definitely going to check that out. But uh, it, it also kind of circles back a little bit to me of like when you think back to and, and I'm going to ask you this question, too, because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back of my leadership journey as I was promoted, even from the most basic just sales role into like a sales manager role. There was no additional training for me. Yeah. Uh, and then as I grew again, there was no additional training. All I was doing was kind of looking at the things that maybe I responded to or whoever's leading me before. And I was just like, Oh, I just got to do them. So, you know, it could be just be present and Mm -hmm. walk around and, and uh, you know, you, there's certain tasks that you do at the end of the day. And those are the tasks that you do. 
Mm-hmm. I never thought about it from a like developmental standpoint of my team oh, uh, when, so when when I was when I was uh, when I was growing as a leader. Now, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, it's taking so way too you, long for me to figure that out. But oh no, man, I think, and I think it's the, the secret sauce. Yeah. Right. Right. When you, if you think back on the people that have truly made a difference, it people who went the extra mile for you. And particularly in today's workforce where, you know, it used to be a little bit older than me, but I'm, I probably bleed over in that generation where I can remember, and certainly my parents' generation, where everybody, you just expected to work in one, in one place. You go find a good job and then you stay there, right? And by your loyalty, you'll get what you need from the company. And of course, we all know the world's totally changed that way. Yeah. People are doing, I th- the last I heard was seven different careers, careers, mm-hmm. right? In their, in their, in their work span. Um, and so, so with that, all of a sudden it's more about how can you leader help me grow in development? Mm -hmm. That's a huge driver. So when we think not, oh, I want to, I don't want to develop them too much because then they'll run away. Well, yeah, but that's actually backward thinking. If you don't develop them, they'll run away. Mm Whereas on the other hand, when you invest in people and develop them, not only will they be more successful with you right here and there, they just might stay. <laughs> they just might really like working in that environment as they continue to grow. And whenever they do decide to move on, they're going to be more successful down the road. And that's really, the, the I think, a, a key, a gift that leaders can give is to start thinking right now, part of our work. Yeah. Part of our work is to align them around what we need, what the organization needs. But part of my job is to be able to look and, and kind of get a sense from them about where they're going and let me help them develop. Yeah. So if you're in that leadership role, be thinking about how can I develop my people? So that's, that's kind of an easy thing on the, on, on that side of it. But if you're, in a development role or you're in a role where you're finding yourself maybe being promoted and you're like me, you got no additional training. I think that's where I'd start encouraging you. And and you're, you've taken a little bit of a step. You're you're listening to this conversation, you're listening to podcasts and you're trying to grow as a leader. Fantastic. But be willing to invest in yourself. And I think that that was kind of one of my biggest mistakes in terms of uh, like kind of questioning my growth or questioning uh, if I was capable to do it all again was I had never really invested in myself as a leader. And so I always had that fear and that doubt of, you know, if I have to do this all over again, can I do that? But things like we're talking about here, uh, the products may change. Like if we're talking about seven different careers, whatever you're doing may change seven times, but you're still going to work with people probably all of those. All the time. (laughs) Yep. So, you know, interpersonal skills, leadership development, communication, organizational skills, time management, Go ahead and invest in those things because the last I check, no matter what your career is, you're going to need to have those kinds of things. And then if you get into the leadership side of it, developing people, if, if you can develop people, build strong teams, I'm pretty sure that companies are going to fight to get you. They're going to yeah. be looking for people like you, as opposed to somebody that just kind of comes in and is like, well, you know, I've had eight different jobs in about seven different years. And, uh, you know, I just, just kind of do whatever they need me to do. I'm not going to hire that guy. 
But if, if, I, if, if somebody comes to me and is like, hey, man, I, here's what I did with this organization. Here's the growth that I saw. Here's what I did with this organization. Here's the growth that I saw. Here's the people that I helped. Here, let me talk about some of the people that I had a, the opportunity to work with and what they're doing now and what I learned from them or hopefully what they learned from me. Those kind of interviews, those are, those are fantastic interviews because when I'm talking to those kinds of people, I'm sitting there going, man, I hope I can afford this guy as, yes. opposed, as opposed to is this person a fit for us? Yes, 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 yes. Well, Robert, I want to talk a little bit about your journey because we, we alluded to it a little bit with kind of moving from New Orleans to mm-hmm. Tulsa and back again. Uh, I want to dive in a little bit into kind of your process. So let's say, for example, you just recently moved here. Uh, you come into an organization and they've kind of they've brought you in based on maybe some of the things that you've done in the past, maybe maybe some just expectations they have. Maybe you've oversold yourself a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. We're all in sales. So maybe sometimes we stretch that truth just a little bit and we get the job because we're you know fighting and clawing just to get our foot in the door. So now you're in that role. What is what does that look like? How does how does that kind of play out? Uh, for you and, and, and what are some, some, uh, some, some resources or some, uh, hints that you would give somebody who's maybe in that same situation? So, so, so already given hint number one is that assuming, assuming I've got a group, I'm coming into some kind of leadership capacity, supervisor or above, uh, the, the first meeting that I have is with the people on my team. And it's to say, hi, I am part of your team. And yes, I have have particular things that I'm here to do. And we all know what that is. Uh, And uh, I really want to spend some time learning from you and getting your perspective uh, on what's going on. So that's, that's meeting number one. Meeting number two is to get with my supervisor and say, okay, so at the end of this period, whatever this grading period is, Mm -hmm. you're going to give Rob a grade. And what's the things that if, what's the one or two things that I must do, that if I knock these out of the park, you're going to give Rob a thumbs up. Or if I somehow falter on those, you're going to give me a thumbs down. And I say it just like that because I don't want – everybody's job description is uh, a bit of a, an amalgamation that's uh, uh, developed over time that doesn't quite really reflect what people do in the day-to-day. Okay, What I want to know is from the person who I report to, right, because they report up to people and part of my work is what helps them uh, get their stuff done, is what are the key items mm-hmm. – the one to two things. And that way you can walk in with some clear focus. Now, it's not saying that there not, might not be other things that are added or other things you have to do, but you know what the main thing is. Mm-hmm. So that's quite, uh, number one and number two. And then number three, I'm going to go around to my people one at a time, and I'm probably going to ask them some version of uh, four questions. Um, what, what's working here? What's not working here? What do we want to see more of? What do we want to see less of? Mm-hmm. And literally just get there and listen. And people are, uh, it's surprising, right? You, you're going to get, if you've got a group of 10 and you go ask those simple questions and invest the day, right? Maybe it's a day spread out over a week, right? Where you're going around and just kind of checking in with folks and spending a little bit of time with them. You're going to know right off the things that are working in their world, and the things that are not. 
And then if you'll invest some time, you know, maybe it's a uh, man, the lighting out here is terrible. I keep I keep telling people we need to fix this because I can't see to get the work done. Man, if they walk in the next day and you just manage to get something done that they couldn't, you're now a hero. Mm-hmm. You've now shown that what they value, what's important to them matters to you. And you only do that once or twice. Then you can start doing the asks yourself, hey, guys, I need us to spend a little bit more time here. Our quality needs to improve. Whatever the change piece is that you want to do, you can start doing that. But I'd invest first on helping them get their needs met. So instead of ask, so instead of asking them right off the bat to change behaviors, it's actually better for you to figure out some of the things that they need and kind of give before you ask, right? Yep. And, and then yep. that builds that rapport and that hopefully builds that trust to where they're willing to do it. It's more of a push instead of a pull. Is that? Yeah. Or it's, yep. a, it's yep. a pull instead of a push. Pull. It's, pull instead it's, of a push. It's, it's going in, and again, it's based on that first thing. These people here want to do good work, and I want to help them do good work. And if leaders see their role that way, my role is to support these people to be the best they can. Mm-hmm. And that's a different approach, right? It's back to that humility thing. If you haven't gotten it yet, <laughs> I'm really big on that as a core leadership uh, function. In fact, you know, Jim Collins, right? Good to great, mm-hmm. great author, right? Everybody knows him. But but when he did his uh, uh, research to point out really the companies that had made that leap from good, right? Legit, well-known names to being rock stars in their industry over 10 years. That was the basis for this work. One of the five elements that he noted was each one of these companies had what he called a level five leader. That level five leader, what made them level five was two things. On the one hand, these guys were like bulldogs, right? They just never gave up. So that was one. Mm -hmm. But the second thing, and he said this was the odd part of the combination, was that these same people were also the people you probably wouldn't, if you didn't know they were CEO when you walked in, you probably wouldn't have figured out because they were as humble as anyone out there. It never was to them about me. I'm the leader. Look at me. It was always about us. And it was that combination of irrepressible, the way Jim Collins talked about it, irrepressible will with profound humility that made the kind of people that everyone wants to follow. So I, I – uh, Anyway, love Jim Collins, but that really resonates with me as well. I, I uh, you know, if you're, uh, if it's all about you, yeah, okay, I'll be with <laughs> you as long as you're doing okay, right? Yeah. As long as my bread's being buttered, but but I'm not gonna really give it my all until you, Mister or Miss Leader, make it about us. Mm-hmm. When you make it about us, you've got me. And I just think that's it's it's com in some ways it feels like common sense, but I, I think um, I think many of us want uh, to be that rock star, and and we shoot ourselves in the foot by doing it. Well, I, th- I think I think it is common sense, especially when we when you say it like that, total common sense. But there's this thing called ego that gets in the way, um, where yeah. you you kind of walk in the situation is like I'm being brought in because you guys suck and I need to come here and fix all this. And thank God I'm here because if I wasn't here, you guys would be screwed. And I think that, again, 
going back to identity, I think if your identity is tied into what you do, that I think it's easier to slip into that ego because that's that's where your high comes from. That's where your fulfillment comes from. And so you you begin to emit that through every action that you do. But it really comes back to uh, what you were saying before, either walking in there with a plan and just disrupting or going in there with the I don't know mentality, which is the humility mentality. And so it's, it's kind of full, come full circle into really how we started this. But at the same time, I think that hopefully it's a little bit more uh, developed in our minds and in the listeners' minds of of the value of why you should walk in with humility, why you should go in there and and go with that mentality of that these people are here because they believe in this thing and they, they want to do good work. And if, if I can... F- tap into that will and and help them and empower them and lead them and come alongside them, I think you're going to see a lot quicker results that way as opposed to going in there and starting to to point and, and and say do this do this do this follow this formula and it's going to it's going to work it's going to be successful and it might you you might be one of those people that just has got it figured out but what's going to happen is they may do it, but you're not going to change the culture. You're not going to change the mentality. You're going to burn through people. You're constantly going to be hiring and training and firing and going through all the other stuff. So, yeah, you could accomplish it. You can get there. Um, but it's not a sustainable growth. It's more of that flash-in-the-pan growth. Absolutely. And if I could, a, a short plug on this. I have just done – actually went out this last week on YouTube – uh, this week was the second part of an interview I did with Mike Todd. Uh, he's an executive coach with Learning Unlimited. And uh, it was on ego and leadership. And it was the second part. It, you can find both parts. If you Google, well, I'll go to YouTube, search Robert Benson, ego and leadership. Mm-hmm. And if you'll search that, we have an extended discussion on, first of all, how do you recognize when ego is the issue, right? And it's something, oh my gosh, wait, I'm getting out of balance. I'm being ego empty or I'm being egotistical. What does that look like? And while it looks different for different people, there's also some common what are called early warning signs that maybe we're getting a little insecure. Uh, And then once that is the issue, how do you either coach yourself back to a place of, of uh, humility, that's kind of the center point. Uh, or if you're working with someone else, sometimes it's oftentimes easier to see in coworkers or managers. How do you talk with them in ways that are ways that are productive so that they can hear it, not be you know shot out of the water by it, but then make some choices so that they get so that ego is now the, uh, the strength that it's supposed to be uh, and not a, a, uh, something that's taking away from our work experience. So, yeah, what, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and, and share. I'll, I'll have you uh, provide those links to me and we'll go ahead and share that in the show notes. So if you're listening to this podcast, go kind of look in the description. You'll be able to click on all those links and be able to connect with Robert uh, that way. Robert, uh, our time has flown by and uh, it has. I, want, this I, has been awesome. I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. And I think you've kind of been doing it a little bit already, but I always give uh, my guests kind of the, the last word, the ability to kind of give your message to young business leaders. And in some cases, it's a message to yourself, a younger version of yourself. And so if you had that opportunity to either talk to yourself as you were getting started in this transition or that next upcoming leader, what, what would you say your key point would be to them? Oh, so, um, 
The people you are with right now uh, are assets. Uh, they're wonderful. Don't don't discount them, uh, but see them that way and see how you can begin to uh, support them. Right. Start from the basis that that uh, they're valuable and they want to do good work. Give yourself write that on a sticky if you need to <laughs> so that that's kind of in your mind. So you appreciate the people that are around you. Um, and then let's start a conversation. Listen more than you talk. I will say uh, early on and for many years, uh, you know, I always led with my mouth. I was going to impress the other person by how I talked. And I think if anything, what I've learned is the more I can ask the other person, hey, I, to, to tell them I value you, I really want to know your perspective. That, man, I tell you what, people just get on your side when they felt heard and you're smarter about anything that you want to move forward with. So and I guess back to that, that humility word we've uh, bandied about, <laughs> lead with that and people will support you in surprising ways. Well, that's fantastic. Robert, thank you for taking the time to kind of share a little bit of your story with our audience and, and thank you. lead with humility. I, we always get a, I I always enjoy having these conversations and getting to know the guests because it's just not always the conversation that you have in a face to face, you know, as you're kind of networking and meeting people. So I have the excuse of a podcast, but I I would encourage you as listeners uh, and like what Robert says, choose to listen, seek to listen. And I think you're going to find you're going to have more, uh, more intense and real conversations and you'll create better relationships and better friendships uh, because of it. So, Robert, thank you for taking the time to share your story. Uh, listeners, I, I encourage you to kind of check out his stuff. Uh, he's got a lot of great talks that he does on YouTube and some other things that he's doing in, in terms of organizational development. So uh, with that, listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.